to start out, I would always say best place to go is friends and family. You can start out small. You can, you know, raise whether it's fifty thousand dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars. Buy a property, buy it in your backyard, something that you know really, really well, and start that way. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Every once in a while, there comes a service that revolutionizes an industry. And I am proud to say that our best ever sponsor, Cozy, is that service for landlords and tenants. Cozy simplifies the rental process for everyone. Simply put, Cozy makes it easy to collect rent online, to screen tenants, to order credit reports, to do all the things that you are currently doing manually, but to automate it so that you can focus on more important things like growing your portfolio this year. The best part is that Cozy is completely free. It's free. There aren't any minimums, there aren't any transaction fees or monthly payments. No other service on the planet offers this to you for free. And one of the things that I love about Cozy is that Cozy automatically collects and transfers the rent so that every month you don't have to worry about forgetful tenants forgetting to pay you the rent. You can actually receive that rent automatically in your bank account, no questions asked. So you can say goodbye to paper checks, late payments, and all those lame excuses. And here's your chance to simplify your life and make more money. Join me and sign up for Cozy at Cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Bruce Stein. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Joe. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And today is January 14th, so also happy 2015. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Isn't isn't it crazy how these things work? It's not even 2015 because we're recording it in 2014, but yet we're wishing each other 2015. The the joys of of podcasting. (laughs) Yes. Happy 2015. Yeah. So how have your previous 14 days in 2015 gone? (laughs) <laughs> gone wonderful. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I've accomplished all of my clients' goals for the the month already. Oh, awesome, awesome! There you go. Well, Bruce is the principal of Real Property Partners, based in Los Angeles, California, and he is he has a tremendous amount of experience. So let me get into some numbers that will blow you away. He has managed brokerage transactions in excess of $1 billion. He's executed over $1.2 billion of financing. He has managed commercial real estate portfolios of more than $850 million. And he's raised $185 million in equity for two funds. So you're just getting started in real estate, right, Bruce? That's correct. (laughs) Yes. 25 years in real estate. 25 years in real estate. So and he's chasing a childhood dream that got him into real estate in the first place. So with that being said, can you elaborate on that and your background and what you're focused on now? Yes. Uh, early on, I always wanted to be an architect. There was something about just going through downtown 
uh, Detroit where I grew up and seeing the, the high rises and the office buildings and just was intrigued with how things were built and going to shopping centers and wanted to be an architect and took architectural classes in high school. And when I went to college, I went into uh, a school to get my degree in architecture and I actually got a job working as an architectural coordinator and really started liking the development side of that because I was working with the department on building office buildings, uh, classrooms, dormitories, and just said, wow, this is really fascinating. And I ended up uh, graduating college, never got my architectural degree, but fell in love with uh, real estate development and then moved to California. And that was where I got my first uh uh, introduction into real estate, working for a syndicator in the early 80s and learned the ropes on how to raise money, how to buy real estate, and uh, most importantly, try to how to execute the business plan. Probably the most interesting uh, fact, you know, in, during the early 80s, a lot of it was uh, tax driven. So there was all, you know, tax shelters and people were buying real estate, not for the cash flow, but for the, the tax losses that you could write off. And that made it very challenging. So that was kind of like one of the first things that I really learned was everybody always says, you know, you make your money on the buy. And I always really thought you make your money during operations. If you can't execute your business plan, you're not going to be able to sell the property for a profit. So no matter how well you buy the property, if you can't you know, lease it up, you can't manage it properly, you can't get the right financing, you can't do you know, whatever is necessary to execute, uh, your property is not going to appreciate in value and then you're going to be you know, looking just at another marginal real estate investment. As an operator, what are some things that you see as common mistakes from investors? I think initially it's always that you think that the uh, the wind is behind you and that you know you're you think okay, I'm going to be able to buy a property and leases are going to go up 5, 6%. I'm going to get this great financing that's going to be, you know, uh, allow me to arbitrage the investment. And, you know, lo and behold, you find out that competition's a little bit stronger. You know, you're going to be having to compete for your tenants and your rates do not go up as quickly as you thought. Meanwhile, you know, your expenses can, can go up and, you know, the money it costs to attract tenants in terms of commissions and tenant improvements, you know, continue to get expensive. So the, the real key is, is to be as realistic as you can when you're, you know, putting together your forecast because you're going to really live and die by that because everybody can put together a rosy forecast and looks great on paper. But probably the biggest mistake people have is they're saying, okay, I'm buying a property for maybe uh, an 8% cap rate. And because of all the wonderful things I do to the property, when I sell it, I'll be able to sell it for a 6% cap rate. And, you know, sometimes that happens, but a lot of times it doesn't, you know, so you really need to be focusing on cash flow, make sure that that's presenting a significant amount of the returns and not just where it's all back end, because that's probably where, you know, the biggest mistake will, will come from. And based on your experience, and and I haven't officially asked you what your best advice ever is, because 
selfishly, I just want to learn a little bit more uh, because you have so much experience. So before we get to your best advice ever, I'd like to, now that you talked about operations, I'd like to switch gears uh, a little bit and talk about raising money. You know, you've raised $185 million in equity for two funds. How do you do that? Well, a lot of it has to do with, you know, you've really got to be able to establish a track record first. You've got to be able to go out to uh, the investors and say, I've done this before. I've been successful at it. And it doesn't hurt to have a failure. Everybody can't bat, you know, 100%. So, you know, you've got to go in and be able to show uh, that you successfully are able to manage a transaction from start to finish, whether it's a development, whether it's just an acquisition. Uh, do you know what it takes to go from, you know, A to Z in order to execute? Uh, you know, and being able to explain maybe why one property or two properties didn't go according to plan sometimes is even a better story than the successful stories because you learn from those. And your investors are going to want to know how did you deal with that. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, t- you spend more time on that explaining to them what you did. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, uh, oh, the, I got into troubles and I just gave you know the the property back to the lender. No one's going to want to invest with you on that that level. So you've got to be able to show that you work with uh, you know everybody in terms of uh, making the property a successful. And you know, getting your money back maybe with no return is still a success in in real estate. It, you know, you should not be concerned about that. It's more what you did during the holding period that is important. Uh, to start out, I would always say best place to go is friends and family. You can start out small. You can you know, raise, whether it's $50,000 or a couple hundred thousand dollars, buy a property, buy it in your backyard, something that you know really, really well, and start that way. Uh, today, I think it's even simpler once you do one or two of those is today there's so many places online that, you know, with crowdfunding that you can raise money. So I think it's so much easier in some ways to raise equity today than it was, you know, 25 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago. So there is a lot of uh, really exciting new uh, things going on in real estate uh, fundraising today. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, I'd always say go with your gut instinct. There were times where I wanted to buy a property and I kept hearing from people saying no and hearing all the the no's where I really felt I was I had the right idea and then you kind of shy away from it because you you you, you continue to hear a no and you just got to then just get over that and just you know, plug along, you know, hopefully, you know, you can find if you really found a property that you think is a great opportunity is just talk with the seller and explain to them, maybe I'm having a little bit of a challenge raising the money or I can't get all of the the debt. But if you have a good relationship with the the seller, you'll be able to, you know, get the time necessary to try to put the deal together. But don't get disillusioned just because you know you go to the first person and you say, "Hey, I need some money," and they say no. Don't don't take that as a a no to the project. Just keep 
you know, plugging along. Uh, that's probably the most challenging part of doing your first deal is maybe hearing no's and you just can't uh, let that dissuade you. When we go with our gut instinct, I completely understand the approach of going with your gut, especially when you have previous real estate experience to reference in your mind. But when you go with your gut and it's saying buy something, but you don't have that experience and those, those frames of references, um, should a beginning investor go with the gut or is that more of an advanced investor? How, how do you reconcile that? You know, I still think if it's whether it's your first deal or your 10th deal, you still have to feel that, you know, you, you can improve on the property. That's why I always tell people, do it in your backyard. It's, you know, whether it's even buying a single family home and, you know, being able to fix it up and flipping it, you know, getting that one successful deal, but it's stay, stay in your neighborhood. You know, I think my biggest problem in the, when I went on on my own in the, the late eighties was going outside my comfort zone because I didn't want to spend as much money, let's say per unit, in Los Angeles. So I started going to Colorado. I started going to Kentucky because I could buy larger apartment deals for less money, thinking that, you know, all the uh, other costs in terms of, you know, management and things like that, you know, would be easier to cover. The problem is, is you become almost an absentee owner. So, you know, my recommendation is always, you know, in the beginning, try to stay as close to home where you really feel comfortable, where you could drive by the property even, you know, once a week, you know who your tenant is. Uh, you, you can't get into trouble that way because you see things, you know, immediately instead of after the fact. And, you know, that way you can be a lot more proactive that if you can get in your car and drive to your property than if you had to get into a plane and fly somewhere. It just... Uh, you know, it's just easier to manage and be more successful at uh, executing the business. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. <laughs> you say that with a hesit- it, it, it's like you're you're suspicious. Of well, it. <laughs> no, it's just sometimes my my answers may be longer than a lightning round answer should be. <laughs> First, a quick word from our sponsor. Best ever listeners, it's 2015, and wouldn't you like to simplify the landlording process and automate it as much as possible while making more money along the way? It's a landlord's dream, right? With online rent payments, applications, and secure credit reports, Cozy makes being a landlord incredibly easy. And best of all, it's completely free. Sign up for Cozy at Cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Okay, Bruce, best ever book you've read? Probably I've been reading a book right now called by Kent Fowler called uh, Fall of Giants. It's uh, book one of the Century Trilogy. It takes place from 1909 to, to the present, and it follows five families. And I like historical novels. I've always been fascinated with World War One, World War Two, and to be able to just you know see a very detailed uh, chronological history of what went on in Europe and the United States during World War One to the present was very fascinating. How he wove five different families together, uh, you know. So to me, it just takes me away. So that's you know my favorite book at the moment. 
And best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Probably the the best growth experience is uh, when I uh, I was buying properties uh, in a uh, building a shopping center in Garden Grove. It was a Korean neighborhood and needed to get a grocer to anchor the, the shopping center. And I went to one of the grocers and looked at the store and negotiated a lease. And they came back and said, I don't want to pay percentage rent on rice and prepared ribs. And I looked at the store and said, I can live with that. And six months later, when they opened up the store, probably 70% of this large grocery store was all rice and ribs. And I realized I got uh, kind of taken from that. But I also looked at the positive side. If I didn't have that grocer, the rest of the shopping center wouldn't have been leased because everybody came knowing that they were going to attract all the different customers. So sometimes, you know, you you have to accept a, a deal that's not in the you know, always the best deal for that one space. But in the long run, you know, it turned out to be a very successful shopping center because I did make the deal uh, without really knowing what I was getting into. What's the best ever success habit you practice? Uh, always, you know, just be focused. You know, you know, every property that you have, whether it's a single family home to a small apartment building, shopping center, you know, you put together a business plan. You must have had one when you bought the property, and you just got to focus on that. And probably the best thing to do is everybody puts together an annual budget. But I always say do it, update it quarterly. Look at everything on a you know, on a quarterly basis. Look and see what's going on and adjust it because that's going to then impact you a little bit less in the long run because you're, you're, you're focused on the present. They're not looking into the future as much. Best ever deal you've done? Probably the best ever deal I've done and was most exciting was developing uh, Manhattan Beach Studios. It was the first movie television studio uh, development in Los Angeles in 50 years. And, you know, it was just very exciting. I got to operate the studio for several years. And, you know, we, there were a lot of movies and major television shows that were uh, filmed there. And it just gave me uh, a new understanding that, you know, there's more to just real estate than real estate. There's always an operational side to it. And uh, I came to really like the, what I could do operationally more than just, you know, go out and buy a property, lease it up, and then... Uh, let it kind of manage itself. This was very active daily operations and I really, really enjoyed that. That was a past deal. Now let's talk about what's the best ever project you're excited about right now. Today, you know, I am working with a lot of high net worth investors who don't have real estate departments. So they bring me on as an owner's rep. And Right now, I'm working with a client who is buying uh, an office building in the Gasland District in San Diego, and it's very challenging. It's an historic building, so we're trying to figure out what kind of tax credits we may be able to get. You know, there's a lot of leasing opportunities, so going out and talking with the various uh, uh, you know, brokers out there, what would, what's missing in the area. 
you know, that to me is probably going to be the best thing is, you know, to figure out is what's going to be the best tenant, whether it's a restaurant or a retail store that would fit in the ground floor to, to make this uh, a very successful acquisition for the investor. Best ever quote. You know, I'm simple. Uh, I like Nikes. Do it. <laughs> it's simple. It's right to the point. You know, you know, there's no mistaking what it means. You know, just go out and do it. You, I, I can tell from our conversation that you are someone who likes to jump in and experience things and learn on the fly. You, ha- you have information going into it, but you also you don't need all the information or to make a decision. You're more of a I want to get in there, I want to experience it, and then I'm going to make it work as we get along. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, you don't have all the information ever at your fingertips, you know, so it's always important to be able to have also what I call a group of trusted people that you can call up, get some information from them. And that's another piece of advice is always reach out to people, make, you know, the relationships you have, keep them. You never know when they can help you. You should always have them be able to call you for advice as well. Uh, and that's probably you know the best way to make sure that you're successful at whatever you're doing. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Probably biggest mistake I made was we uh, developed a, a large 600,000 square foot office park and we financed it for about 3% interest rate. This was in the late 90s and weren't sure where interest rates were going and we you know, got a cap and swapped out the, the interest rate and interest rates even dropped lower. So we ended up paying significantly more money in interest payments than we had to. And it cost us, you know, probably, you know, several hundred thousand dollars just because we were afraid to take a bet with uh, where interest rates were going. Uh, you know, in hindsight, it was a big mistake, uh, but I know that people still do that today because they're afraid of where uh, rates are going to go. But yeah, that was probably the biggest costly mistake I've ever made was, uh, you know, getting interest rate swaps on a, on a loan that uh, we didn't need. What's the best ever place to reach you? You can go just to my LinkedIn profile. It's got my email. It's got my phone number. Uh be honest, I'm not even sure what that is, but you can always, you know, reach me at B S T E I N at real prop P R O P partners.com. I'm always willing to uh, respond to anybody's inquiry or question about any matter. Thank you so much, Bruce, for sharing your advice with the best ever listeners. I mean, I think it's just ha- having someone who on the show who has the amount of experience and doing it firsthand and you know a couple of takeaways that i got from this conversation uh one is uh the money is you make the money in operations not necessarily when you buy you obviously have to buy it right but it's a matter of how are you operating it and not only you'd mentioned not only from a budgetary standpoint but also are you getting the right financing in place and are you uh, pulling the right levers to to make it profitable, not just from the maintenance standpoint or the rent, but financing as well on an ongoing basis and, and tracking that. And then also, you know, raising money. 
you know, how to establish the track record first. And it's okay to talk about a failure. And in fact, that's probably something that the investors are going to be suspicious of if they hear that you haven't had a failure or at least haven't come across a project that didn't go according to plan. Because really, you know, anybody can say they had a good deal, but the, the character building is in how, what you do once you are thrown a curveball and how you react to it and what you do the, with the investor money. So I'm, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. And I know the best ever listeners got a lot out of this. So thank you again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. And to the best ever listeners, happy uh, 2015. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.